1: Notice verse 5 back in our text, it says, Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God and all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. I can't help but wonder if this is Jesus speaking, or perhaps one of the angels, or maybe one of the four living creatures. But notice what it says in verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of the voice voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying alleluia for the lord god omnipotent reigns How can i ever say?
0: Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues in chapter 19 in the book of Revelation. In our lesson today, we learn more about the multitude of voices as they worship our Lord. This is obviously loud, enthusiastic praise. While there is something precious and irreplaceable about quiet time alone with God, there is also something absolutely thrilling about a large number of Christians worshiping God with sincere enthusiasm. Lord, we praise you for who you are. Now let's open our Bibles to chapter 19 in the book of Revelation and follow along with Pastor Rob.
1: So it's important that we abide in Jesus Christ, amen? It's important to abide in him because he loves you. I'm so glad that he loves. I'm so glad that he's taking care of us. Aren't you so glad? He's so good. And he has got a great and wonderful plan ahead. And I don't know about you, but as the as more time goes on, I am aching for that moment. There is nothing on this earth that I would be like, no, Lord, i got to wait for this to happen before. You know, when you're young, you have those ideas. Oh, Lord, you know, I want to be be able to get my driver's license, you know, when you're a teenager. I want to at least get my driver's license and take that 57, you know, or take that Corvette out on the road if your parents are rich enough to buy you one. I want to get my first ticket before I check out, you know. I want to get to 21 so that I'm legal drinking age. Even, if, even though I don't drink, at least I know I can if I want. I want to wait till I'm done with college. I want to wait till I'm married. I want to wait till at least I have my first child, Lord. I want to wait till at least when I retire from that job 35 years and move to Florida and play golf. Some people have that, but there's nothing that holds a candle. To seeing Christ. Seeing him. The author of perfection. He who is beautiful beyond description. And notice in verse 3, there's another Alleluia. This is the second one. This is the Alleluia of retribution. The Alleluia of retribution. Notice again, this multitude of heaven said, Alleluia. her smoke rises up forever and ever. Babylon... The destruction of Babylon will continue to smoke forever and ever, even through that thousand-year reign while we are on the earth. Do you understand that? We're going to be in Jerusalem, I'm sure, and for a thousand years, you're going to be able to look over to the east from Jerusalem and look up in the sky, and you're still going to see the smoke rising from Babylon in the east of Jerusalem. It's going to smoke, and God will see to it. He'll make sure that fire burns as a testimony, as a, as a, as a, as a warning even. Because not everybody going into the millennium will be born again. You and I will be in our new bodies, but there will be people who are born during that time who still will have to give their heart to Christ. That won't be the ultimate utopia. The ultimate utopia, we know, is in the new heavens and the new earth where there's a new Jerusalem. After this current heavens and earth have been dissolved, well, we're going to get into that as we get into the last final chapters. But that's what's happening. This alleluia, her smoke rises forever and ever. It is an alleluia, a praise the Lord of his retribution. It's okay to praise the Lord when evil is being dealt with. Did you know that? The Bible is replete with accounts of the saints of the Old Testament, the New Testament, rejoicing when evil has been dealt with. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what we do after that that's the problem. We've got to be careful. Because we know that God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. It breaks his heart. But there is an alleluia, finally, God. This has, has had its day in court, and it's been found wanting There's nothing wrong with that. Notice, for true and righteous are his judgments. God's judgments are true. They're righteous. Everything that he does is in truth. And because God is omniscient, which means he can't learn anything because he knows everything, he alone is the perfect judge and has the right to judge by means of not only creation, but redemptive rights. He has the right to judge anything and anyone or any entity when he chooses, how he chooses. And the multi- this multitude in heaven knows that the great treachery of this false religious system and this city, Babylon, that has been a thorn in the flesh of humanity since the beginning of time. And there will be no qualms in their agreement on her destruction. We see this in other places in Revelation as well. If you remember, in Revelation 16, after the third bowl judgment is is unleashed upon the earth, one from the altar is recorded as saying this, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. True and righteous. I'm not so... Confident in anything that I do and and, and that I might, you know, reach out or or lash out against something that's unrighteous that's happened to me. I'm not confident in my attitude, but I'm confident in his. I'm confident in God's heart because his heart is perfect. He is perfect. And when he does and says something, he has the right to do it. And everyone will say, you know what, God, you are true and just in what you've done. And he will go, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks for the pat on the back. I was feeling kind of lonely and, you know, feeling kind of, uh, you know, uh, my self-esteem was low and nobody was really saying how great I am, and that really helped. Thanks. No, there's going to be none of that. We will all say true and righteous. No one will be justified who stand before God on judgment day. In Psalm 104, verse 35, it says this, Many, may sinners be consumed from the earth, and and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And here's our phrase, hallelujah, again. It says, praise the Lord. That's okay. Retribution, godly retribution, especially when he does it, is righteous and just all the time. Excuse me. Notice in verse 4, The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures, they fell down and they worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. And remember, these 24 elders... Excuse me. Try coming back from 82-degree weather and then coming back to this. The 24 elders and the four living creatures, they were introduced, if you remember, to us in Revelation chapter 4. And these are representatives, we believe, of the church, and whenever we see these twenty-four elders, I love this, we see them falling down. You look for yourself in Revelation four, verse ten, and Revelation five, verse eight, and Revelation five, verse fourteen, and Revelation eleven, sixteen through eighteen. When you look at Revelation nineteen, verse four, where we are right now, whenever you see the twenty-four elders, the representatives of the church, what do you see them doing before the throne when they're mentioned? They're falling down before Him which is such a great and wonderful thing, isn't it? It's where I need to be more often, is on my face. And believe me, the events of our days have led me to my face in tears. So this is the hallelujah of realization this chapter 4, when they say, Amen, Alleluia. This is the last mention of the 24 elders in Revelation. And when they said, Amen, Alleluia, what they are really saying is, So be it. Let it be done. Praise the Lord. Let it be done. Notice verse 5 back in our text. It says, Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God and all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. I can't help but wonder if this is Jesus speaking or perhaps one of the angels or maybe one of the four living creatures. But notice what it says in verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of the voice, voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Notice this is a voice of a great multitude. Not a voice of a single voice like we see in Revelation chapter 1, verse 15. And it it can be confusing. As you read through the scriptures, you'll notice one thing, and I've fallen prey to this myself often is I hear phrases that sound similar to other phrases, and I tend to group them together because they sound the same, but they're different. And this is one example, because notice it says, and again, just bear with me here, but this is a good way for us to look at the scripture, to to look at it, to really think about it. It says, The voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings. What does it say in Revelation 1, verse 15? Speaking of Jesus, it says his feet were like fine brass as it is refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. His voice, his single voice, is like the sound of many waters, but yet we have this multitude that has a sound of many waters and great thunderings. And then we look at Revelation 14, verses 2. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. They sound the same, but one is a multitude, one is a person, or one is an individual. And then finally in verse 6, we're going to see the, the fourth alleluia, and it's the alleluia of Jesus reign, reigning as king. <clears throat> And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of a mighty thundering saying, and here it is Hallelujah, or praise the Lord, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Does that phrase ring a bell on Christmas time? If you've been to any of the Handel's Messiah performances in the area, remember one time uh, Kathy and Ariana and I went to Asbury Methodist Church there on East Avenue. A really great-looking structure, and they had the Handel's Messiah uh, there. I believe is where we saw it, and it was just amazing. But Handel, George Friedrich Handel, was a Baroque composer back in the in the Baroque period, somewhere between 1600 to 1750, and he wrote this oratorio called Handel's Messiah. And the text, or the libretto, or if you want, whatever you want to call it, is comes right from the scriptures. In fact, this is one of them right here. You remember the Hallelujah Chorus? For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth forever, forever, Hallelujah. Right? Sorry, my voice is not quite there. But that's where they get it. They got it from Revelation. They, you know, Handel took uh, passages from Matthew, took passages from Luke, from Isaiah, from other prophets, and put them together in this wonderful, probably the best written piece of music in history that's ever been recorded, that's ever been written. But this is where he gets it, and he says, The Lord God omnipotent reigns. Praise the Lord, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. This word omnipotent is a really wonderful word. In the Greek, it's "pantocrator." Isn't that fun? When I think of that, I think of panko breadcrumbs for some reason. Because my wife cooks and she makes, you know, rolls stuff in panko breadcrumbs and fries it. But I, I "pantocrator." Is the word, and what it means is supreme being. He is the supreme, he's the all ruling God, he's absolute, universal, sovereign over the world, over the universe. That's who he is. Praise God! For the Lord God, omnipotent, reigns. There is no power but his power. And the, you know, when we think of God, there are at least three attributes at least three that belong solely to him. This is one of them his omnipotence. Omni means many. Potent means power. He is all-powerful. He is also omnipresent by his spirit, right? Omnipresent. He's also omniscient. He's all-knowing. Science. That's what is omniscient. Science. That's where we get knowing. He's Science. He's all-knowing. There's nothing he can't learn because <laughs> he knows it all. He knows what's going to happen a week from now. He's got it all understood. In fact, he's got it all under control. Don't you worry, Christian. If you're one of those people who tends to fret, read Psalm, 1, or read Psalm 37. Fret not because of evildoers. Your God is in heaven, and he's got this under control. You've got nothing to fear. You can trust him. I'm trusting him. No matter what he does, and I love even what Job says, though he slay me, I will trust him. Though he allows difficulties in my life, I will trust him. All the saints over history have gone through difficulty, and we may, we may be gonna be going through some difficulties before the Lord returns. We're not exempt. We've been living in Disneyland for ever since we've been born. Ever since this country has been formed, we've pretty much been living in Disneyland. We've had a, a really good uh, a government that has been um, sympathetic. And even supporting our Christian faith. That may be changing. But God is omnipotent. He's omnipotent. In Psalm 97 it says, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and he burns up his enemies round about. We're going to see that next week. His lightnings light up the world, the earth sees and trembles, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare His righteousness, and all the people see His glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship Him, all you gods, lowercase g. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, Jehovah, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods you who love the lord hate evil if you you love the lord yes. then hate evil do you love the lord yes. hate evil do you love the lord yes. hate evil he preserves the souls of his saints he delivers them out of the hand of the wicked light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart rejoice in the lord you righteous And give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. God is omnipotent, he is all powerful. What does it say in Romans 13? Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no authority but the authority of God. The powers that be are ordered. His power is given on loan. Does any, can anybody raise their fist and say, I am all powerful. That's what got Nebuchadnezzar in all of his trouble. Remember, as he stood on the, on the banks or on the uh, wall of Jerusalem, or not Jerusalem, Babylon, and he's looking around, this great Babylon that I have created, look what I have done. Ugh. And the Lord goes, you're done. You failed to give me glory. And after all that I've given to you, I've made you the king of kings, lowercase k in all cases here. I've made you the king of kings, Nebuchadnezzar. Give me the glory. And he did. He came around, didn't he? We read about that in Daniel 4. But it also says in Psalm 2, verse 6 through 8, notice, yet God is going to set his king upon his holy hill of Zion. And I'm looking forward to that day when all earthly men are all gone away. When finally, when Christ returns to the earth, he is that rock that's going to destroy the very foundation of all those world governments they're all going to come crumbling down the wind's going to blow them away like chaff chaff it's going to be gone and one remains christ alone and he is going to rule there's going to be none of this uh going into congress and arguing and 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 phony people coming out and saying oh you know whatever there's not gonna be no phony business he is truth and light there's nothing that can escape him that's going to be a relief isn't it don't you thirst for that? Doesn't the Bible says, you, "You you know, blessed are those who thirst for righteousness." I don't know about you, but I thirst. I'm thirsting for it. I want that. I want to see it. I want to see Him. I want to see His government in place. Jesus' government, because it's only Him. Looking forward to that. Yet I have set my king. On my holy hill of Zion, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the inheritance, the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Looking forward to that, aren't you? But notice in verse 7, let us be glad, back in our text now, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Normally in a wedding ceremony all eyes are on the bride, and rightly so. And the bride is a very important part, and in, in our ceremonies that's what happens. When the bride comes through that door, everybody rises and the dun dun da we sing Mendelssohn's you know, come you know, uh here comes the bride and she comes down and all eyes are on her, right? And the poor stiff up here is just kind of waiting. Nobody's looking at him. But not so here. Notice what it says. Now, don't, I don't want to underestimate the glory of the bride, but the glory of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is so much greater. Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory to who? To him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready, and his wife is the church of Jesus Christ. His wife are you and me, you and I. Is that correct, English? You and I are the bride of Christ. We are going to be married to him. We are married to him right now. The summation of that, the consummation of that will be at the rapture. He's already placed the down payment of his spirit inside of us, right? We have the spirit indwelling us, but then he's going to come back and redeem what he has put the down payment on. And physically, bodily, we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye, rise to meet him in the clouds, and forever we will be with him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, right? But his wife is the church. And there is, it's interesting, there's been no mention of the church up until this moment since chapter 4. Chapter 4, after the church age is, is done and the church is removed from the earth, there's no mention of the church until now. Because she's preparing herself for a feast. And she's going to come back with the Lord on this earth for a thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ. You and I... Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Longing with all of my heart. Are you longing for it? Are you just loving it? Lord, bring it, hasten the day. Make it happen now. Is there an app that I can I can say now? If we all do it at the same time, would it, you know, maybe force his hand? I don't think so, but I would love to see that happen. But notice when we juxtapose this with the harlot church, the harlot church has just been destroyed, and now Jesus focuses on his true bride, not the counterfeit bride, the false bride, who in name, they're a chino, in other words, they were church in name only. They, the, 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 this false apostate church, only in name only were they part of the church, but they really weren't his. He says, I never knew you. And if you know Jesus, you're going to be with him looking forward to that day. And the church was a mystery. It was a mystery. The, 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 the church was a mystery. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 26, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages from, and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, this is Paul speaking to the Colossians, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory, the indwelling of the Spirit, the the church itself has been a mystery in the Old Testament, now has been revealed in the New Testament. On Pentecost and forward, the church has been revealed. And I love what it says in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives. And we think about Jesus being our husband. He is the perfect husband. He's not a, a chauvinist. He's not a beater. He doesn't play games. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't have an alcohol problem. He doesn't have a problem with pornography. Husbands, here's the exhortation to us in Ephesians 5.25. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself...
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation.